Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Happy New Year. It's going to be a good year in Jesus' name. Well, I'm glad two or three of you agree. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just open our hearts to your word this morning. I thank you that your word comforts us, feeds us, inspires us to be the people you've called us to be. We give our hearts to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to start this morning in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 is a passage of scripture that I kind of run back to every once in a while, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Peter in chapter 1, he's encouraging him in certain aspects of, of their faith, their walk with God. And then he says, I'll start, he says in verse 12, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. So he's bringing some familiar topics, some familiar things to me. So I'm gonna, but here's what he says, I consider it right as long as, as long as I'm in this dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. Well, that's him, not me. And as, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. But he, he said, I need to stir you up. You know, sometimes things that we know, things that we have studied before, scriptures that we read, it, they, if we don't stir them up, they kind of settle. You know, I was thinking, I don't know why, but I was thinking of hot, when you make hot cocoa or hot chocolate, whatever, however you say it, if you leave it sit for a while, some of that chocolate just settles it, and you need to stir it up. And that's what happens to us. Some, the word sometimes is familiar with us, but if we're not stirring it up and bringing it to remembrance, it can, it can kind of just settle, and it's, it's not working in our lives. So I just want to remind you of some, some, some familiar things this morning uh, to stir us up by way of reminder, to stir up the, the scriptures in our hearts so that, so that we, can, we can receive what God has for us. Because we... And this week when I was praying, I wasn't really thinking that this was like the first Sunday of a new year. But I was just praying and, and trying to listen to God for this morning's word. And I kept hearing this word, expecting. Expecting. Like a woman, like a woman who's pregnant. She's expecting. Something is, being, is getting ready to be birthed. To expect is, is to anticipate, to look forward to. And... I guess what the Lord was kind of speaking to me, saying, what are you expecting for this year? What are you looking forward to? What things are you believing me for? You know, sometimes we can't, we can't be passive. So we have to be careful we don't just become passive and just kind of go through the motions. But God wants us to be actively believing for something, expecting. You know, we, 
and it's, it's more than, it's not just hope. It differs from hope. Hope to, hope to me has an uncertainty to it. You know, it was, we invited somebody to dinner, and uh, they never told us whether they're coming or not. I hope they show up, but maybe they won't. So there's an uncertainty of hope. But expecting says, you know, we invited some folks to dinner, and they said they were coming, and they should be here any minute. We're expecting them. So there's, there's an active believing involved. And that's what God wants us. So I, I feel like this today, one thing, one thing that I feel like the message that God wants me to bring is just to, re, to encourage us to stir up, stir up yourself. Believe God for something. Pick, pick a need, find a need in your life and actively go over it in Jesus' name. Don't be passive in our Christianity. You know, I was I'm reminded the, when the children of Israel got ready to go into the promised land, God said he gave it to them. And so it was theirs. But, you know, they had to fight their way in, and they had to fight to keep it. And we have to fight our way in. You know, the, the kingdom of God suffers violence, the Bible says, and the violent take it by force. So you have to fight your way in, you've got to fight to keep it. Because that dumb devil just wants to try to rob us of every blessing that God has for us. And we need to, we, I, I tell you, one thing I love, I love the deliverance ministry because I love stepping on the devil. And telling him what he, he can't stay, he can't have his way in our life. We're going to be the people of God. We're going to be victorious in Jesus' name. So, yeah, I heard someone say this one time, the atmos- an atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. So we, and so, we need to, I need to be expecting things in my own life, and we all need to do that individually, but corporately when we come together. We need to believe God to be, to be present, believe God to manifest himself in our midst, and not just, well, okay, well, we went to church, we, we checked that square, and now we're, we're just going on. You know, there's a banner hanging right there. And when, one time I said to people, you know what that banner says? And they're like, no. Well... <laughs> We put it there to remind you when you walk in, believe God for something. Believe God for miracles. Believe God to show up. Believe God to heal someone. Believe God's presence. Believe that God will manifest himself in our midst. Active believing is what stirs the height of God. You can't just come and sit. I mean, it's not wrong to come and sit, but we need to, we need to be stirring our faith up and believing God, pulling on him, saying, God, come on. We want you. We believe you. You're, you're a healing God. You're providing God. You're a wonderful God. Manifest yourself in our midst, O oh God. Show up and, and do a work of, that people will, people will talk about and turn to you in Jesus' name. So I just, I just want to say, I'm expecting something. Something is God is stirring something in me. I'm expecting that he will do exactly what he said he would do and he will be exactly who he said he was because God is not a, lie, not a, a man that he should lie. I expect to see the the manifested presence of God in our our midst. But it's not just up to me. It's up to all of us to come and and call out to God. In the Bible, God has many names. It takes a lot of names to to say who God is. You know, he's Jehovah. He's the self-existent one. He's the creator. He's El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. He's Adonai. He's the Lord and Master. And he's, he's, Lord of the, he's the Lord of the host. He's Lord Most High. But today I just want to briefly look at, and then we're going to receive communion, praise God. But I want to briefly look at what the Bible calls the redemptive names of God. What Jesus won for us, what Jesus won for us through his atoning death, his sacrifice on the cross. He won some things for us. We need to fight to, so we can have them manifested in our life. 
And I'm going I'm to cover four of them very briefly, but then I want to touch a little bit, uh, a little bit more on three especially. But we'll, we'll get to that. Redemptive names of God. There are seven. He's our peace. He's present with us. He's our shepherd. He's our banner. He's our provider. He's our healer. He's our righteousness. He's all those things. We need to believe it for to make him active in our life. First, the first one I want to touch on is the Lord our peace. In Judges chapter 6 is when the angel appeared to Gideon. The book of Judges, I mean, I mean this is, this, this, the book of Judges is a, a kind of a cyclical thing. What happens in the book of Judges is the, children, the Israelites start getting into uh, idol worship and phony religions. And because of that, God lifts his hand of protection and, the en- and an enemy comes in and defeats them and rules over them for a number of years. And then the children of Israel, they get fed up with that. They cry out to God. God raises up a deliverer for them like Gideon or Samson or something. And, he, and they fight the enemy. They get rid of them. And as long as that person is, lives, they, they, they do pretty good. But when that person dies and they get back into idol worship and God lifts his hand of protection, another enemy comes. I mean, this is, it's a continual cycle in the book of Judges. So the, enemy, the Israelites have been being ruled and God and they've been crying out to God, and God is going to use Gideon. So He sends the angel of the Lord to Gideon, and uh, and at one after He talks to him, Gideon says, uh, "I want to give you an offering." So He gets He gets an offering. He places it on the rock, and the and the the angel of the Lord who's talking with him puts his rod, his staff on the rock, and fire comes up out of the rock and consumes the sacrifice. And when Gideon saw, I'm on verse 22, Judges 6:22. When Gideon saw that the angel, he was the angel of the Lord, he said, "Alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face." And and the Lord said to him, "Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die." They, there was a there was a belief that if you saw God or you saw the angel of the Lord, it would kill you. And he he said, "I just saw the angel of the Lord." And and Gideon built an altar. When the Lord said, "Peace to you." Do not fear, you shall not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it's an Oprah of the Abyssalites. But God wants us to have peace. God wants to have the peace in our life, no matter what's going on. I mean, not just when things are smooth, but even when things are not smooth. God wants us to have peace. That's what he said in Philippians. Remember in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6? He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, trust God. When you're in the midst of some problem, trust God, cry out to God. And what does it say? It says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And what that means is that you can't figure out, why should I be at peace? There's all this turmoil going on. But it, I, I'm trusting God, and God gave me peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God will, put, God will guard your heart and your mind and give you the peace that's beyond, it doesn't make sense, but you got it anyway because God is with you. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. God is, God is going to give us peace. He said, Don't let your heart be troubled. Be, be at peace. Even in the midst of the storm, God can... Give us peace in our lives. 
And he's, he's a God, he's Jehovah, the God of peace. And then, he's, and then he's the God who's present with us. And that, that there's a scripture that comes from, is in, is in the last scripture in the book of Ezekiel, the very last one, in Ezekiel 48 and verse 35. But it refers to the future, to the future city of Jerusalem. And it says, talking about the, the, in the city, the city will be 1,800 cubits round, and the name of that city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. The Lord is present. But that's, what he's saying is, there's a day coming when God is going to actually reside in the midst of his people in the new Jerusalem. But God, we can also have peace even today because he won it for us on the cross. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. God is with us. We never have to fear. We never have to be worried. We have to really believe that God, God is with me wherever, wherever I go. He's always with me. He's, I can always call upon him. His presence, his presence is with me, and it should give me peace in my life. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always with us. So don't ever say, God, where is God? He's right there. You just need to tap into him and call upon him and receive. In Psalm, Psalm 23, remember what it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fare no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So no matter what's going on in our life, you have to understand God is always with you. Don't ever, don't ever stop believing that, that he's with you to give you, to help you in your, on your way. And he's the Lord, our shepherd. In Psalm 23 and verse 1, by one of the most familiar scriptures, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He takes care of me. He watches over me like a shepherd watches over his flock. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me to green pastures. He, he protects me. He blesses me. He's my shepherd. And Exodus chapter 17, he's my, the Lord is our banner. He gives us victory. Shortly after the Israelites went through the Red Sea, they go out in the wilderness, and the Amalekites, the Amalekites attacked them. And you know, you're probably familiar with the story where Moses said, I'm gonna, he told Joshua to go fight. He said, I'm going to go up on the hill, and, uh, and he had his staff in his hand. And whenever he held his staff up, the Israelites won. When his arms got tired, and he put his staff down, they lost. And so he had two people. He had Aaron and Hur with him. And they got a rock, and they, put, they sat him on a rock. And they held, up this, they held his hands up so, so, God, so God would give him the victory. Exodus chapter 17. Let me just find that real quick. Yes, and Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. He's my, he caused me to be victorious. God will cause you to be victorious if in your fight against the enemy. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Or tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? But just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. 
We are considered to be sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. God causes us to be victorious in our, in if we will believe him and trust him and fight for what's ours. God will cause us to be victorious. But thanks be to God, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So we're supposed to be winners. You have to fight, but, and it may take a while, but God will cause us to be winners and not losers in Jesus' name. I want to look at the last three in a little bit more detail. In Genesis chapter 22, it says God tested Abraham. And his test was to slay his son Isaac. He said he wanted to offer his son Isaac as an offering. And one thing, every time I read that story, I'm, I'm just amazed that Abraham never complained, never said, wait a minute, God, why am I doing this? You know what he did when God said to do that? He got the wood, he took his son, and he went, and he went to do it. He just, he just obeyed God, put his son up on the altar. He's getting ready to slay him. It says in, in verse 10, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said this day, In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. One thing that God wants us to be, to know for sure and to be receiving is, to, is that he is our provider. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all of your produce. And your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And I, to me, when he says your bonds will be filled with plenty, that's, phys- that's physical provision. And when it says your vats will overflow with new wine, to me that speaks of the anointing of God. And God said, Give, give to me what belongs to me, and I'll bless you physically, and I'll bless you spiritually. I'll put my spirit upon you. And I, one thing I tell you, one thing that I'm convinced of, that God is a provider. He has blessed us over the years. Yes, we've had tremendous struggles financially, but he's always seen us through them. And we have to trust God. One of the things, one of, one of, the, one of the things that I've noticed, too, about the blessings of God is that it's very often... Uh, we have to initiate it by what we do. In other words, it says, honor the Lord from your wealth. Do it. Give to God what belongs to God and, and see what he'll do. You don't, you don't wait for him to give it. You, we initiate it. We say, I'm going to do my part, and if I do my part, God will do his. It's the same way with healing. You know, in Exodus, we're going to go there in a minute, but in Exodus chapter 15, where it says God is our healer, it says, if he starts by saying, if you diligently obey the commandments of the Lord, like in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he said, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, so there's a, you know, if you do all these things, then I'll bless you. So there's a part that we have to play. And our part is giving to God what belongs to God, surrendering our lives to him. 
doing our part first, and God will do his part. Abraham had to do, Abraham had to do what God said to do before God blessed him. And God will bless all of us if we'll be obedient to do what he says to do and trust him in Jesus' name. But in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and trust me now and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until there's not room enough to contain it. I'm telling you, the tithe, when we give God the tithe, it opens the doors for blessings for us. It really does. We, I'm convinced of it. We've been tithers for decades, my wife and I. This church tithes. I've said it before, but the tithe of every offering that we get goes out to bless others. We, we believe it. We've been taught it to our children. We've taught it to everyone. And I tell you, it just works because God works in Jesus' name. So don't be afraid to give to God what belongs to God. And he'll bless you. He's the Lord our provider. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for us. And he will provide for you. He'll see you through it in Jesus' name. But you have to act. You have to, you have to be expecting. You have to stir up that expectancy. God, I'm going to give to you what belongs to you, and I'm going to believe it's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming in Jesus' name. He's going to bless me because I'm doing what he said to do in his word. So he's our provider. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, it says, Moses led Israel. Well, we'll start in verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what, we, what are we going to drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. He threw the tree into the waters, and the waters became sweet. And there he made for them a statute and a regulation, and he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes, I will... This is one of those if-thens. The Bible is full of if-thens. We can't ignore them. But if you do that, if you do your best to follow God, you say, I'll put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. One thing I'm convinced of, God is a healer. God said he... He bore our sicknesses and he carried away our diseases. In Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely our sicknesses he himself bore and our pains he carried. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. In Psalm 103, I pray Psalm 103 over, my, over myself almost every single day. And it's bless the Lord. You know scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And every time, I, and I think, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting this. I'm expecting to be strong. I'm expecting for these tremors to go. I'm expecting, I say, thank you, Lord, for giving me perfect health and strength. And I call out several things in my body. That I'm, that I'm expecting God to heal. He's my healer. If I'll believe him and I'll trust him, I'll, I'll be healed in Jesus' name. I'm fighting for what's mine and I'm going to get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir myself up in the Lord and speak the word of God over myself. And, and you can do that too. And God will, God will manifest himself in your life as your healer. He's a, but we have to do what he says to do. In 2 Peter 2.24, he says... 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you're healed. I tell you, healing is rightfully ours. So we have to fight for it. When God will heal you and make you strong and give you a long life full of blessings. That's what I'm believing for. I thank you, Lord, for that for long life you'll satisfy us. Myself and my wife. And I pray for my family. I pray for the church. I pray for everybody in the church. Thank you, Lord, with long life you'll satisfy us and show us your salvation. I thank you, Lord, for sending you a healing angel. You know the story about my wife. God said, God said to her when we were in Florida at that revival, God said, ask me to send my healing angel to Rome, New York. And she did. She said, Lord, I ask you to send your healing angel to Rome, New York. And I believe he's here. We're going to, and, I, and I say, God, turn him loose. Let him start moving in the people. Do miracles in our midst. Show yourself strong in our behalf. Visit us, O Lord, so that the world would know that you're real, that there's a God in heaven that we're accountable for. And the last one I want to talk about is the most important. It's the, he's the Lord, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. In Philippians chapter 9, in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm circumcised the eighth day of on the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law of Pharisee, as the zeal of persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But then he says this, but whatever was gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And listen, and may be found in him. This is the key to, be, to go into heaven. May be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. I tell you, you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. This one is most, that's, this is the most critical of, of God's blessings. Because you know what? You can, you, can be, you can be sick and never receive your healing and still go to heaven. You can, you can be dirt poor and never find God as your provider and still go to heaven. You can, all, you can never experience, never sense the presence of God with you and still go to heaven. But if you're not made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, you're going to miss heaven. It's the most important thing. And people, you try to, you try to explain to people the fact that they need God, and they say, I'm okay, I'm a good person. They, they, they're trusting themselves. And by the world's standards, they probably are good people. They're honest, they're upright, they're walking after God, they go to church, whatever. They're kind, they're faithful to, to their family, but that's not, the, that's not it. We have, to be made, we have to be made the righteousness of God in Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, it says, but the Lord has placed the iniquity of us all upon him. We have to be made the righteousness of God. If the Bible says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raises from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You have to be saved. You have to be, you have to be born again. You have to be created in Christ Jesus have to be given the Spirit of the Lord. You know, it's interesting to me. In John chapter 3, 
when Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus. It's like Jesus said, you must be born again. I thought, you know what? He's talking to a religious man. He's not talking to some, some career criminal, some pervert. He's some guy who's, whose life is a total mess. He's talking to a man who lives every day to try to be the best he can, to follow, to follow the law. But even that person, he said, you need to be born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus. And people, like I said, I've encountered many people who get angry when you try to tell them they need God, that they're not good enough in their own right because they're proud of who, who they are. Well, you have to surrender. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and receive forgiveness of your sins. That's what it says in Psalm 103. I thank you, Lord, you forgive all my sins and you heal all my disease. I thank you that my sin is forgiven in Jesus' name. I thank you because of your death on the cross. I can be free from sin, from the power of sin in my life. I can be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I can know you. I can go to heaven when I leave this earth because I've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. It's imputed righteousness. You're not righteous and neither am I. But if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he, he credits that to us. And, and he treats us as if we never sinned. I tell you, make sure you're born again. Make sure you've given your life to the Lord. Make sure you've been made the righteousness of God. It's the most important thing that we have to do on this planet. So all those things are available to us. We have to, we have to fight for them. Expect them. Expect them to stop being manifested in your life. Turn your expectors on. That's what I feel like. I feel like God said, turn your expectors on. Start believing God. Be active in your, in your pursuit of him. And God will bless you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that every day you remind us, Lord, to be active believers in the blessings of God, the promises of God, in what God has for us. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us, for protecting us. With long life, you'll satisfy us and show us your salvation. I love you today, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done in my life, for my wife and I, for our family, for calling us to the ministry. We, we bless you. We follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.